Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 93 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here with Kurt Mortensen. It is a beautiful June day. We're locked and loaded with another episode for you on some stuff that we haven't talked about for quite a long time that makes a huge difference in your efforts to persuade and influence. Hey, Kurt, how you been? I haven't talked to you other than, you know, we talk about persuasion, but not about life like ever because we're too busy geeking out on this stuff. Let's see. How have I been? Good. I can't complain. It didn't matter if I would. You wouldn't listen anyway, right? That's what right. I say. To spend some time in Vegas in the weekend doing some family stuff, enjoying the warm weather. Uh, yeah, good all the way around. How's your life? Oh, pretty you? good. Pretty good. I'm I'm gearing up for the 10 year anniversary trip to Puerto Rico. See? Puerto Rico. Yeah, we're Fun excited. Stuff. We're gonna. Apparently, there is a bay that at night it has this funky algae that if it's disturbed, it glows like a fluorescent blue. And so you can go kayak out in the bay at night, and when you put your oar into the water to paddle, it disturbs the algae and they glow blue, and it's uh, pretty cool. So we're going to go do that, and we're going to eat ourselves absolutely stupid, of course. I think that goes without saying. <laughs> that's that's a, Eat yourself stupid, then kayak yourself stupid, and I guess you'll be good. I haven't done that. I've heard about it when I, I went over there, but I didn't have a chance to do that, so you have to give us a full report. That sounds cool because I've heard a lot about that. And it's really supposed to be really yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. So we'll, we're going to go do that. Some other stuff. I mean, my wife's pregnant, so it's uh, not like we can go zip lining and uh, bungee jumping and all that stuff. Okay. So, but I have no problem with eating and laying on the beach. It takes me a long time to get tired of that and to get bored. Very high tolerance. <laughs> takes me a couple days to get into that zone, and then I can stay in that zone for Well, a long it does time. with cell phones now, right? You go on a cruise, you go somewhere where you have no reception, you twitch for a few days. Because you're used to mm -hmm. having everything right there in your face, and you forget that 20 years ago, people, they had secretaries and fax machines and, and no cell phones, and you went home at night, and you were actually home. Oh, that, yeah, would, be, that, that would be nice. It does take a couple of days. Even take you know, go deep in the mountains when there's no cell phone service, you realize, oh... Like I check my voice when you get back after five days and realize I didn't really miss oh, anything so important. Yeah, I, I went on that fishing trip a couple of weeks ago that I like to talk about on the show, and... So these uh, fly fishing guides, that's their life. They stay in, in town at night and have cell reception, but when they go to work in the morning, you can't find them. I mean, they're on the river all day, and I thought that would drive me a little nuts, but at the same time, that's that's great. I mean, there's nobody bugging you all the time. That yeah. would be nice. I can, so I I can get, get on that. board with that. A little harder to persuade <laughs> without a cell phone and without being connected these days. So you know, the, the irony is, as many people are listening to this show on their cell phone. Which, there you go. if you have an iPhone, if you have a Windows phone, uh, a Droid, I believe they call those. I've, I've, it's not been a secret that I'm an Apple guy, so we might lose some listeners as a result of me confessing that for like the millionth time. But uh, I, yeah, it's Windows Marketplace. You can download the podcast on there as well, as well as on Stitcher Radio. And send us your comments, questions, derogatory remarks, insults, well wishes, uh, jokes, whatever you feel is appropriate. Because we feel almost anything is appropriate on this show, and you'll probably get away with it. Send those to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. We're ready to go. Cue up the Urkel. All right, Urkel, go! <laughs> <laughs>
There he is, the lovable Steve Urkel. Jaleel White, I believe, is his real name. And uh, not so dorky looking in real life. But we have an article that uh, actually, I love this article because I I relate to it a lot. In fact, you could, if, if I read it, I thought, eh, maybe I was writing something and I forgot about it. This is from Harvard Business Review. And hey, let's celebrate because we can pronounce the author's name. The author's name is Dory Clark. <laughs> All right. Look at that. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Wait, 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 hold on. I got celebrate. a celebration right here. Let's see if we can find it. <laughs> yes, the clapping. It's a good old Anglo name that a couple <laughs> of country bumpkins that Kurt and I can can pronounce. So uh, we'll, we'll get <laughs> back true. to the weird stuff next week. And we've just offended everybody with a non-Anglo name. So add that to the list. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yeah, our growing ever list growing list. Yes, yeah. it's it's quickly turning into the, to our best asset. Soon we won't even talk about persuasion on the show. We'll just insult people, and they'll tune in. Is it my turn yet? I wonder if they'd actually do that. <laughs> That's right. Do an insult <laughs> yeah. show. I like the name. Yep. Of that so story. Dory Clark, Harvard Business Review, wrote an article called "Networking When You Hate Talking to Strangers." Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Some people are going, "Hey, yeah, I don't like strangers." <laughs> so. It, obviously, we know in business that networking is is fantastic. It's what moves everything along. And I think you've probably had this happen to you. I know I have. Some of my best networking has happened when I wasn't even intending to do it, right? You're, you're at a social function or you're on a vacation and you just end up talking to somebody. I really hate it when people cram me in a room and say, okay, network, shoot me in the head, right? Mm-hmm. It's the worst. So the author is kind of talking about how part of the good thing of networking is the serendipity, how when it happens by accident, it's usually better. But when you find yourself having to network, he gives a couple of tips. Number one, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll give it to you verbatim here, make them come to you. The very best solution I've found for uncomfortable events where you don't know anyone is arranging to be the speaker. That might seem paradoxical, but there's a difference between introversion and shyness. I'm actually far more comfortable on a stage in front of hundreds of people than I am chatting in a small group of folks that I don't know. I'm getting ready to launch an 11 city tour for my new book, Stand Out, which presents the perfect solution. When you're the speaker, people approach you and there's a ready-made topic of conversation. And I would add to that, Kurt, how much more posture and authority do you have when you're the speaker? What do you think about that one? Oh, I absolutely agree. Hey, it is easier to speak sometimes than it is to network in small groups and now they see your authority, you've built credibility, they know you're an expert, they're going to come to you, and it just changes the playing yep. field quite yep. a bit. Number two, bring a friend. When you've got a wingman at your side to help highlight your accomplishments at networking events, it can give you the confidence you need to approach others and break into conversations. And your friend probably knows people in the room that, that you don't. Well, yeah, that's a big one. You know, Sometimes I, if you're there to, to tout your your business accolades, I think some of us just aren't that's shameless, right? Some of us don't want to just sit there and say, hey, listen how awesome I am. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I agree. If you have someone else to kind of toot your horn or even use them to talk to other people and do the double networking, I could see yeah. great benefits in that. Next one is have a few opening lines ready. Hardest part of interacting with a stranger is the opening. How do you get started? What do you say? What's the challenge facing a coaching client of mine? Or I'm sorry, that was a challenge when I was facing a coaching client of mine, a talented executive from the West Coast. She went to all these high-powered events but wasn't sure where to begin the conversation. So they developed a few questions for her, and it was very successful because when you get tossed into these networking things, I know for me it feels like I'm uh, dating again, which is kind of the worst. 
right? Uh, dating, just <laughs> wow. So there's a couple of good example questions that you could use, and it just kind of kickstarts a dialogue. And my favorite one is the last one. But the one of the questions is, hey, what's the coolest thing you're working on right now? How do you spend most of your time? How'd you hear about the event? And if you've got a common tie with them, where'd you graduate or what dorm did you live in? And then he, <laughs> this is the best one, Kurt. And when nothing else works, I've often simply said, hey, I don't know anyone here. Can I talk to you? And he says, no one has ever said no. <laughs> I do like that one. But, you know, being knowledgeable in a lot of different areas is helpful. I'm a big believer that any salesperson, anybody persuades, actually anybody should go to improv training where you learn to think on your feet. You learn to be creative. You learn to some of these skills that a lot of people are missing. that They don't think they can do it, but it's a skill yeah. that anybody can learn. Yeah, I know you and I have kind of joked about this on the side because I think we're probably both like this. It's easier for us to be in front of a big group than it is to be with a couple of people. And so sometimes we play this game where you're going to a function and there's somebody there that's just really kind of abrasive or surly, right? And you make it the goal of, I'm going <laughs> to connect with that person. I'm going to get them to laugh or smile or tell me something about them themselves. I and mean, if you make it a game, it's it's that much more fun. No, I love that. You know what? They're going to be my friend yeah. at the end of the night or at the end of the <laughs> seminar. <laughs> It's my goal. I'm going to make it happen. And it does. It changes it. Now it's a game, and then you don't have to stress yeah, about it so Yeah, that's exactly much. right. Exactly right. And uh, th this last one is kind of interesting, and, and it's not always practical. You're not always able to do it. But he talks about researching in advance. If you know who's going to be there, do a little bit of uh, research on them. And first I thought, oh, that would be kind of creepy if somebody came up to me at a networking event and said, oh, hey, yeah, I, I saw the list. I saw you're coming. And I, it looks like you're blah, blah, blah. And they tell you something about yourself. And then, so I thought, that's creepy. And then I realized, no, no, everybody likes to hear about themselves, right? And, and know that somebody yeah, actually cares and took some time to find out about them. It depends how you handle it and who it is. If you went up to someone, yeah, I was looking at your Facebook page and they've never seen you before and you start creeping them out. So, yeah. You want to do your research, but be careful on how you use it. Right, you right. It it, you've got to come across smoothly. That's one thing I always struggle with on the website, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, and uh, they have this feature where you can tell who's been looking at your profile. And uh, I don't know, it just kind of bugs me. Like, What are you looking at me for? And I know it's supposed to be good, <laughs> but... Oh, it's not good. It creeps me out, too. I'm like, who is this person? Why are they looking at me? What's going on? What is yeah, Why are yeah. they looking at me? Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> I actually don't look at people on LinkedIn because I don't want to be that guy. I do the same thing. Like, well, I don't want them to think that I'm looking yeah, at them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, if you can turn that feature <laughs> it would off. be nice. And, and there is one where you can, uh, I guess you can pay LinkedIn a bunch of money so you can, you can stalk people anonymously on LinkedIn. That's, that's what it money. So makes. it's, that, that's what you got to do, everybody. You can't be, oh, hey, I was parked in a, in a van with tinted windows outside your house last night. It's, oh, hey, yeah, sure. I took a look, a look at the list. You're coming now. Are you the guy that – and something like that would, would probably uh, be just fine, and it gets them talking, and it's a way to network when you don't like networking or talking to a bunch of strangers. So that's the geeky article for the day. I like it because the more people you know, the more successful you're going to be, the more people around you that have what we call that make-it-happen power. So – it helps. Yeah, everybody who's been it. very successful in life, I, I think many of them, if not all of them, attribute it to they networked with the right person and they didn't screw it up. <laughs> there's there's a few key people you know <laughs> in your life that can really make or break uh, your business success. So, awesome article. Guess what else we've got today? We've got listener uh, tell mail. Tell me. Ooh, we, we love, love listener, listener mail. mail. 
we need we to get the you've got mail thing from AOL. You know, if anybody still has it. How about this one? Apparently, <laughs> Kurt doesn't want you to email the show. He's you know, All right, find I'll a find a better one. one. We'll, we'll have to do a better one than that one. So for today, we'll use that one for today, but then we'll find a better one for our mail. Anyway, <laughs> don't take it personally. Well, we had to offend another person. Now we offended so our listener who has yet person. to be named. He'll know he's offended in just a minute here. <laughs> but uh, clearly, Kurt has been experimenting with some new sounds, and we need to get a leash on that. <laughs> That's right. Actually, it, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Get a new toy. That's... Look what happens. All right. I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll this good. is Go from ahead. Chris. Uh, Chris's email says, guys, I love your show and Kurt's book, Persuasion IQ. Shameless plug. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Good. I like that. I like, yep, him, al- yep. I like him already. He knows what he's doing. He listens to the show. <laughs> Maybe he's never read it, right. but he knows what he's doing. Okay. I constantly hear how important great questions are. I've been trying to put together 25 really great thought provoking questions that don't sound like everyone else. I'm a great listener. I know, Kurt, that I'm not that great, but man, I feel like the questions lead to answers I don't want and drive the value of my product down and not up. Can you give me some really interesting questions you use and how they're designed to get the right answers? Good luck with the show. It's always fun and insightful. Uh, thanks a ton, Chris, for sending, sending in your question about questions. And we read it, and we felt like it was uh, such an awesome email that we decided we'd do the show on questions today to, to answer yours because uh, nothing helps you maintain more control of the persuasion process or drive emotions where you want them to go more than questions. Kurt, what do you think? Oh, questions are awesome. In fact, the research shows that great persuaders ask three times more questions than the average person. And when you can listen and ask more questions, or even better, you ask a question after they've asked a question. You answer a question with a question. You've heard that before. But very few people can do that because they're not programmed that way. Any way you look at a question... Man, that is power persuasion because they'll tell you everything you need to know to persuade them when you can ask the right question. So part of Chris's question here is he's concerned that he's not getting the the correct results, that it might be driving down the value or he's coming across as cheesy and you know, just lame questions. He's a good listener. I mean, if we can get the right question out there, uh, he's going to be able to sit back and, and get the listening job done. That's hard for me. What makes bad questions? That's probably where where we should start. I would just kind of, and to give you something to go off of there, it's probably the first thing that makes a bad question is a lack of sincerity. Your thoughts? Yeah, you need to be sincere. You need to be interested. Remember, we're taking the doctor approach. You want the doctor to ask questions, and there's very few personal questions that a doctor could ask. Even when they do ask personal questions, you want to answer because they're the expert. You want their help and you want their knowledge. And so when you ask the right questions, and you've come across with that trust, and you've connected them. So a bad question would be probably when you got an answer that really surprises you or you get the answer no. You never want to get the word no during the persuasion process because that's like hitting a brick wall. Get the yeses. In fact, lawyers do not ask questions that they don't already know the answer to. And so you can't really stretch it that far in persuasion, but a lot of times you can get to the point where you want, you're asking the right questions, getting the right answers, and that's really helpful in persuasion. The interesting thing about this is there's a power struggle, right? And and I think I mentioned a couple podcasts ago about uh, what David Sandler calls wimp junction, when it's decided relatively soon in your conversation with a prospect, it's decided who's going to be in charge, 
right? You've seen on uh, cop shows. I'll ask the questions here, right? <laughs> so that's what's going mm-hmm. on. We're, we're trying to decide, and it's this subconscious dance of who is going to be asking the questions in this, in this interaction. And this, this happens to me a lot. I, I advertise, I send direct mail that uh, basically tells people, hey, I may want to buy your property from you. And maybe you got one of my obnoxious letters. I don't know. But it says, I may want to buy your property from you. If that's something that would be of, in- of interest, you give me a call. And I get all kinds of people that, that ring that phone number and want to talk to me. And a lot of them are concerned about getting ripped off or what's the catch or what's this guy up to, right? So when I pick up the phone, they've got that attitude of, I'll ask the questions here. And we're at Wimp Junction. i got to decide if I'm going to let him be that person. Or if I'm going to gain control over them in a tactful way and I'm going to be the one to ask questions because it's the wrong feeling, right? They're acting as an interrogator when if it's in both of our best interests, in the interest of time and everything, if they just let me ask them some questions, right? Because it's just I do this all the time. They don't call people and ask about houses. So what will happen is they'll say, hey, well, what, what, what are you going to pay for my house? What, what number are you going to pay? I say, you know, that's a good question. It's typically the first one I get and the last one I can answer. If I could ask you a few, because there's a few ways I could help you, we can get towards that and I can probably give you an answer. Is it okay if I ask you a couple of questions and uh, we can start getting the direction that you want to? Something like that. I say it different every time. But really, yeah. Well, that's a great thing because you're getting permission to ask the questions and now you're taking the role as the persuader or the consultant more than just playing ping pong is what I call it. I was sitting down with a salesperson who had evaluated one of their calls, and I said, you're customer service, and they got all bad. I says, they just asked questions, and you answered them. And it went back and forth. It was like ping pong. They controlled the whole conversation. You never had a chance to persuade them or sell them on anything, and it was just a customer service call. That's yeah. all it was. And so you're doing the right thing by saying, okay, let's take a few minutes. Let's make sure this is a good fit. Let me find that out. Now you've taken the consultant role, which now it's much easier to persuade and influence. Right, right. And you, you and I talked about this like a decade ago where we really took this analogy of the doctor and, and tried to apply it. And we found so many helpful parallels when it comes to, to question selling. And if, you know, listeners, if you could imagine if you went into the doctor and you sat down and the doctor came and said, Hey, how are you doing today? He said, Great. What are you going to do? Well, I, I, <laughs> I don't, what's bothering you? Mm-hmm. Well, hang on. To, b- before we get too much into that, tell me what's going on here. The doctor's going to say, you came to see me. I, you know, you got to answer my questions. Otherwise, you probably ought to get out of here. There's nothing I can do for you. That's the kind of atmosphere that you want to create. And when you've got somebody who doesn't want to answer questions, because uh, that's how you build value. You ask intelligent questions, and the person feels like you understand the problem, like you understand the situation. Right. And I, before I've had people do that to me where, well, they've got the all ask the questions thing. And when it's getting to the point where I'm not getting anywhere, I know this and I really, really believe this. And I want you to tell me what you think about it, Kurt. It is going to be a more effective use of my time to terminate that conversation than it is to just start vomiting features and benefits and yielding at Wimp Junction because that's not going to get me anywhere. What do you think? I agree. I agree. You've got to get control of that conversation because we talked about, all right, who's persuading who? If they can control the conversation with questions, you're just playing ping pong. You're just being customer service. Get past the whip junction, as you call it, and, and practice some great questions. Things like, 
Well, tell me what's important about, or why do you say that, or what does a perfect solution look like to you? Hey, if I could show you a way to make an extra 20% this month, would that solve? Does the idea of making more money intrigue you, right? And, and one to answer what you do is, hey, in order to serve you better or to solve your challenge, I need to ask you a few questions, right? All those things are opening things up. They're open-ended. And sometimes when they answer it, ask another question. Ask another question. Be a consultant. I mean, just the one, just the, here's the one takeaway. What does the perfect solution look like to you? And then shut up and listen. And that will give you the information you know to really get in and understand yeah. how to persuade them. Yeah. And I've found that when we get on the lo- along the lines of that, what does the perfect solution look like? And, and they give that to you. You can come back with them at another question, right? Because you want to make this the prospect's decision. You need to be in control, but they need to feel like they're in control. Right. So, well, the perfect solution is a product X that can be delivered in this amount of time frame at this amount of price. So, okay, I think I could do that. If I were to come here with a proposal that shows that we could do a price of X, Y, and Z delivered in this time frame, what would happen? And they get to tell you, you're not saying, here it is, now do this. Right. They'll tell you, well, I'm going to have to talk to my boss. Ah, well, we got a different problem here, don't we? Or they could say something like, mm-hmm. well, we'd be ready to proceed. Oh, okay, right? So they've made the decision. You've asked an intelligent closing question that gets the deal done that makes them feel like they're in the driver's seat. And that's what great questions do, great persuaders do. They use questions to help them persuade themselves because you could data dump, you can vomit, you can tell them what they need. But if through questions they also are discovering what they need, that makes a huge difference. The simple question like, well, tell me, what would completely solve your challenge? And then listen, what do I need to do to make you completely satisfied? Hey, if price were no object, what would be the main objective and, you know, fill in the blank? Those type of questions are big picture questions, and you're slowly bringing them down, bringing them in, finding out exactly what they need, exactly what they want. Because here's the thing you really need to understand is sometimes your prospects really don't know exactly what they need. They know they have a problem and want it fixed. And a lot of times through questions, you're helping them solidify for themselves and yourself to know right. exactly what they need. Right. I've found it's beneficial, too, to to sit there and ask them, so – You've got me here for a reason. First, I want to cover, what do you like about your situation now? What do you like the product that you're using now? And they start telling you this. And then what would you change? Right? And they start, like you said, they give you everything that you need in order to be able to to close the sale. Or they start talking about, well, I've got an offer from this guy or I've got a, a bid from that guy. Right? You say, oh, okay, great. What has made you not take that? I mean, if it was... Awesome, I would assume you would have taken it by now. You're probably looking for something a little better. Talk to me and get all this stuff out in the open. Drag it out there so that you can deal with it now. And I would tell our listener, Chris, uh, you want you want to get 25 questions together, and that's awesome. I hope you get there. How about you get three? Get three good questions. Practice them in the mirror so you can say them with a straight face to your prospect. Because anytime you implement a new question a new, or a new tactic into a presentation that you've been doing a lot, it's like changing something in your golf swing. It's going to need some practice. All right. You got to, got to take that question to the driving range for a while and, and, and tune it up. Kurt, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Working on those questions, two or three to get started with. Or you can be brave and go to universityofpersuasion.com. There's persuasion software that has hundreds of questions, all 77 potential objections and responses for each one of those. That's a good place to go. That's, That's a good my, my one. Plug That's a good day. plug. 
And you know, it's a lot of research went into that. It's a very simple software, but you click on it, it tells you exactly what to do and what to say. When you ask the type of questions you were bringing up, now you've kind of shifted from being the salesperson to be the consultant. You're looking at other quotes. You're talking about other strengths and weaknesses. And sometimes it can be simple. And here's another great one to write down is like what you said, what are the three things you like about your current system, right? Or what are the three things that you could improve or that you don't like or you need to change? Boom, all of a sudden, you have all the information you need to know that compares what they're doing versus what you want them to do. And they've given you that information and they've revealed what they don't like. And it makes a big difference as you customize your persuasive right, presentation. Right, Listeners, just envision yourself. You've got the white coat on, right? They came to your office. And what does the doctor do? You go in. Hey, where's the pain? You tell him. How long's it been that way? How bad is it? He asks a few more about it. What have you done to fix it? Right? There it is. There. And if I could fix it today, if I, if I could prescribe this, would that be something you'd want to do? Just go back to that doctor template because the prospects, they want to put you into the unpaid consultant category. That's what they want to do. And if you can manage the questions correctly, you're not going to be there. You're going to be a highly paid persuader instead of an unpaid consultant. That's exactly right. So great questions about the questions, understanding the questions. And part of this we have to mention too, part of asking questions is being a great listener and not interrupting. That's huge. And a lot of times you could lead with questions because a lot of the studies show that just the words you use, the verbal packaging is a big piece of what you need to do. For example, someone went up to people and said, hey, can you estimate how tall this person is? And the next group, hey, can you estimate how short this person is? And the estimations from this picture were 10 inches difference from how tall versus how short so a lot of times the word you use, being a great listener, is also under that subset of being a great persuader and asking the right awesome. questions. Awesome. Well, I think that, that about does it for the day, Kurt. Anything else you want to add? Or have you, uh, you forever hold your peace on this? Just let me repeat. Great persuaders ask three times more questions. They come across as consultants. They're better listeners. And they have learned to answer a question with a question because it gets them to keep talking and you find out exactly what their pain is. You can solve it and you're helping awesome. them persuade Yeah, if themselves. you catch yourself telling, then you got to start selling. Ask a question. Stop telling, start selling. Or yeah. if you lose control yeah. of a conversation, you ask a question and bring it back awesome. so you can control Okay, it. well, that's going to do it for episode 93 of Maximize Your Influence. As we said earlier on the show... Check us out at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. You can get links to the articles, to the, the blog. You can listen to the show at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Uh, many of our listeners, actually I'll use our IRS or our, our tax line from last week. Most listeners in your area listen to the podcast via iTunes. Right? <laughs> and they have already listened this week. <laughs> Good yeah, social validation. Right. I like it. So, Actually, I don't think they said most. They said the great majority, just to completely guilt them into paying the taxes. <laughs> hey, yep, yep. So send us your like comments it. and questions. Hey, Chris did it. We got a, did a whole show for Chris. So you, you could be that special. Law of esteem. He's got to be better. feeling pretty special Jeez, by now. Chris, I don't know what else we can do. So <laughs> uh, go to, like I said, MaximizeYourInfluence.com. If you have questions, send them into MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. And we will catch you next week on another episode. Catch you next week.